This is Rookies, a podcast looking at various subjects from a beginner's perspective. Some of the interviews in this series was recorded as early as January of 2022. Rookies is presented in collaboration with Wild Chips, a Swedish-produced dried venison, perfect in-between meals around the go, in the crag or on your adventure. Found in well-sorted supermarkets around Sweden or online at wildchips.com. Wild Chips, what's more sustainable than the wild nature. Throughout this show, we talk to people who are experts within their field. And one of today's topic is persistence. Max Pisano first came onto my radar when I heard about him climbing a 2100 meter peak here in Sweden in flip-flops. He has, though, done so much more than that. Since we recorded this episode, he, together with Swedish media personality Clara Henry, has had a 160-kilometer-long adventure on Swedish island of Gotland, and much, much more. And yet, he is not done. There is more to come. Ladies and gentlemen, Max Pisano. You know, I lost my flip-flops in the snows so many times that I had to dive in with my hand to get it out. To begin with, the combination of flip-flops and snow doesn't make any sense to me. Definitely not in that environment either, where today's guest was hanging out. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Rookies, the pod where we stay curious and stay humble. And today we're going to talk about nothing else than ultra-running. How crazy is that? Let's go. I was worried and nervous like everybody else. And it certainly affects your psychology. It's very different. You just don't know when you start. I feel like you just get this like diversity of perspectives. Stay humble, stay curious. You're listening to Rookies. Maybe you've been trying to get your running shoes on for quite some time now. Or you're really curious about how to start a charity fund. This episode is for you. As always, thank you for listening and please enjoy. For those who are listening right now, it might be a bit noisy compared to other episodes. And that's why that's because we're sitting at Elila Cafet på Söder at Skans Tull. Meeting up with no other than Max Pisano. No, sorry, Max Giovanni Pisano. Giovanni. Because I'm very proud of my middle name. That's the, the family name of like my grandfather. Okay. Yeah. But your background, you're born and raised in Sweden. I'm born and raised in Sweden. But I'm, my father is Italian. Okay. And I'm very proud Italian. I'm very proud. You're very proud <laughs> I'm Italian. I'm very proud Italian. Italian well. Everybody is Italian. Like everybody in my backstory is Italian. Okay. Except for my mom's side, but it's more... It's a more, it's a bigger history from my Italian, my Italian side. And they arrived and they started building a life. 1962, my father was born. And during the 50s, like 1950s, it was a lot of Italian people arriving to Sweden. And, and was, it, was it very common that people arrived to Pennybridge, as you said, Örebro? I'm not sure it was just Pennybridge. I think it was a lot of, a lot of Italians in Stockholm as well. But it, that was just the first destination because they had... They knew somebody there. Like okay. my, they knew somebody there and said, okay, let's go there. Let's try Pennybridge. <laughs> and when you say, we're not going to get stuck to Pennybridge way too long here, but <laughs> when you say like everyone knew somewhere here, 
is it that cliche picture of like that every Italian knows each other? Like it's a big family or...? 100% everybody knows everybody. Okay. Yeah. So if, if you talk about the, the Italian families that are in Stockholm, everybody has some kind of connection to each Still other. Still on the second and third generation. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't met any Swedish Italian ultra runner yet. Okay. But I think I will someday. I'm not sure. Maybe on some kind of adventure. Or maybe when somebody's listening to this. If you're might... Swedish Italian, please reach out. I need one more <laughs> in my group. I need one more. <laughs> and, and that was a really good segue into what we're about to talk today. You mentioned ultra running. In a few words, what is ultra running? Ultra running is it's a sport where you never stop. You can't stop. Ultra running, it's always about running. Yes. Okay. It's always about running or walking. Okay. So uh, I think everybody knows how long a kilometer is. It's yeah. 1,000 meters. Then add that to 10,000 meters. That's a Swedish mile. Yeah. Then make that times four plus two kilometers. That's 42 kilometers. That's a marathon. Yeah. Everything over a marathon, everything over 42 kilometers is an ultra marathon. You could be walking over 42 kilometers. Absolutely. And it's uh, your ultra runner. Your ultra runner, yeah. Okay. So I think if you are the top 10 in the world, you never stop. Like you, you or you never stop running. Yeah, because they, running. then you never stop running because they're the best in the world. But if you are a dummy, yeah. and, and you want to learn how to do a ultra running, like a marathon, ultra marathon, yeah. you don't have to run 50 kilometers. You okay. can run, and if you want to walk some, walk some. Because, at least for me, it's about never stop moving forward. You can't stop, you have to always keep moving forward. Like, when I'm out on my big runs, I eat when I'm moving. Sometimes I sit down, it depends on like the mood and the environment, and maybe I just want to have a beautiful view, have a lunch, a glass of wine or something. Do and I do an ultra run? Yeah, I, I definitely, like a beer or a glass of wine, absolutely. It makes me stress less. At this time, I think we all get the impression that Max is certainly a person who likes to enjoy life. Stress less, train harder, and enjoy life. But let's go back in history and get to know Max a little bit more. So I, I think I need to go back to my background and my story a little bit. Because I started running, I've always been a good runner. I've never been top three, but I've always been a good runner. I can always run. Five years ago, I weighed a little less than 100 kilos, but I could still run a Swedish mile in like 42 minutes because I like it so much. I have, I, have a, I have a hidden passion and a hidden talent for running all my life. I had a depression three years ago, almost three years ago, after a really hard breakup, and I couldn't go to the gym because I thought it was so boring. I couldn't... I couldn't go to the, to the Thai boxing gym that I was doing at the moment because I just blacked out. And if you're a person that blacks out during a mixed martial, like a martial art, you shouldn't be there. Because if you black out, you can't control yourself. You have to have control. So I just started running. Like. But when you say blackout, do you mean like physically you couldn't do it anymore? You could, or was it like... No, in, your, in your mindset that yeah, you were in my like, mindset yeah. because okay. I was I was I had a one sparring session with my twin brother Simon yeah and I just remember that I couldn't control my feelings or my my kicks or my you know nothing I just blacked out 
in my feelings and I couldn't control it. And I don't think you should be in a sparring session if you can't control yourself, because then it's not sparring. Then it's like a, a fight on the streets. You shouldn't have a fight in the streets. That's, that's not me. I just woke up one day like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a run today. So I went out for 10 kilometers. And the morning after I felt like, yeah, let's go for a run as well. And I did that for like two, three weeks. And I was like, okay, I can run every day, all day. I can basically run, you know, until I drop. I have no problem being out just running for a full day. I have a small backpack with, you know, food, drinks, stuff like that. And that's just how it started. So I think if people want to start with ultra running, just keep on going. Even if your body's tired, just keep on going. Refill with energy, with food or drinks, whatever, and just keep on running. If I don't run in the morning, I'm not balanced enough. Okay. And I think a lot of people that have lived with mental, like, mental issues, they know that you have to get out the energy first so you can be stable. Okay. I, have, I meet people maybe two, three times a week that says like, oh, you got ADHD? Yeah. And I said, no, I used to have very high energy. And if I don't do anything about it, I'm still a nice person, but I'm just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I'm just a little bit more of myself. Your full body is itching, like yeah. you need to get the energy out. Yeah. So you've been on a run this morning? No, actually not. Oh, really? Because the thing was, this is my only free day. I'm off work, I'm off everything. But then I'm gonna work for like eight or nine days and then we're gonna do a big run, but we're gonna talk about it later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. I told myself, today I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to, you know, take the bike here, do the yeah. podcast, and then go out with my friends and hang out with their alpaca farm. Just relax, you know. There's an alpaca farm in Stockholm? Yeah, at Ekebeluge, where I met you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have no idea there's an alpaca farm here in Yeah, it's called uh, Alpaca Stockholm. Okay. And it's my friends. And, you know, it's just lovely animals, and they're actually therape therapeutic animals. So they, they're very... Calming, very calming. Cool. Yeah. You, you had this, like... Baby cart. Baby cart. Yeah, baby, stroller, baby stroller. Baby stroller as well. And I thought, okay, that's funny. Uh, it's a bit weird. Fine. You occur again, but this time you're up at Kebnekaise, Swedish high, Sweden's highest mountain. But you're doing it in slippers. Yeah. And that's, that's when it caught me, like, okay, this guy is up to something a bit different than others. Strange. Strange. strange you yeah. can call it strange, you can call it whatever you want, really. But So I kept following your endeavors. And now you are up to something else. And we're recording this before you're doing that. But was that when people were getting starting to notice you when you did the run ending up at Kebnekaise? I have done a lot of different stuff before that. Well, I think that most of the people know me that I'm the guy that run across Sweden and climbs Swedish highest mountain in flip-flop. But I still think that if people should know me for something, it should have been when I was in 2018, I lived in Tanzania, and I started a charity found over five days, and I built a school for kids in the middle of the jungle okay. in Africa, in Tanzania. That was the first thing, not the first thing, but it was the biggest thing I did before 
Chemnikaise. I we collected so much money, and today there's a volunteer program there, and you know there's 102 kids going to that school today. So I think that that's the part where I'm most proud of. But the Chemnikaise run, that's where things started getting really interesting for me, because a lot of people started to notice me, and my social media got really, really how do you say like high engagement. Yeah, 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 a really, really big one. And I and I started notice, okay, if I do this stuff and I put it, everything on social media, no matter what it is, like all the feelings, I just you know be transparent. Yeah, then I will collect a lot of money to charity. Okay, and that's just how it started with not just like a charity once in a while. I'm always doing charity now. Every run, every big run I'm doing, I'm doing it for fun, I'm doing it for charity, I'm doing it for myself. How much is the ego a part of it? Probably a lot. But th that's interesting. You say your ego is big in this. In what way could it be egocentric to do this if it's all for charity? Because this is a question I always talk about when people want to know something about ultra running. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm not a guy that runs races a lot because that's not my jam. I just like to plan adventures and run it. That's why I call myself an ultra adventure runner. Okay. Because I like the adventure more. Yep. I think that the ego helps you go through the pain and the long adventure because I usually don't run just over the day. I run for weeks or a month. And then you have to have an ego that is big enough for you to choose to have during the run. I know it sounds strange. Like when you say ego, people think that's something bad. So I think you have to have the ego in your life when you want to do what you want to do. Being selfish and having an ego is two different things for me. I'm doing it for charity, but it's my body that has to get through the pain, because it's a lot of pain if you're doing really, really long runs. It's a lot of pain. And you, you're gonna feel pain maybe 60% of the way. So you're using that ego during the run, during the fundraising, yeah. and then you're switching it off and like, just pass it on. Kind of, yeah. I, I worked so much on that. I worked so much on putting the ego aside. Sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's easy. It all depends on what I'm doing and how big it gets. Because the, the bigger it gets, the more my ego grows. Would you say that it's a very non-Swedish thing? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so that's more of your Italian side coming in there? Or Absolutely. Surely you have done things before unsupported non-sponsored, no collaborations. How have you approached collaborators when uh, you're doing your new projects or setting records? Well, I'm a hype man. I hype, I'm a hype man. I hype everything, but I'm not hyping just me. I'm hyping everybody around me and my circle. I'm hyping everybody. Okay. In all the possible ways I can. Because the hype helps people. But if I can use the hype for me and myself, it's gonna help me a lot. How do you keep that fire going? I don't. You don't? I don't. Okay. Okay, so you guys that are listening to this, you can't see it, but Odo can. Yeah. You see my new tattoo I yeah, did two I weeks ago? It. it says when the party is over. Yeah. Okay. So my life is a big party. Yeah. My life is just a big party. I have a problem with the space after the party, the emptiness. So I don't keep the fire running. I don't, but I have enough fire to keep on going and doing whatever, whatever I like and pushing for it. That's why you have to make people believe in yourself equal to the amount as you do. And that's the hype. So we are, we are digging kind of deep now. My biggest fear is to not have another party going on. I can, I can cope with the emptiness 
after the party. But this year has been kind of different for me because when I hurt my knee doing this world record run, like I didn't finish it. And I was so sure that I'm gonna finish it. And I was so sure I'm gonna take the next world record as well. Because I sold it into myself so much. There was nothing else except victory. Nothing else. And when I broke down this time, it was really, really hard. Because I didn't have nothing else planned after this. And I was 100% sure I couldn't get to the next world record run. Because of my knee, my knee was pretty fucked up at the time. And that was a big, dark emptiness. Is the competition only with yourself? It has always been with myself. But this year I made it different for myself. I made it... Because I started to compare myself with the best ultra runners in the world. And I still believe that I am a one of a kind. But I also believe that I'm nobody. Because I do it... I, I'm getting... Like, I'm getting... The, I'm doing my own dreams. I'm not doing somebody else's dream. But this year I was trying to compete with... With people already did. Like, the records that... Are on the paper by now and that's i think that's the the complexity of this for me so you said that you're, you're sort of like competing with yourself we have the ego thing going on is that this is that the swedish mentality and the italian mentality struggling with each other probably yes i'm not sure but probably yes is that a, a, a superpower is always a big word, but is that a power that you could use to stay sort of humble and push yourself? Does it help you to have a balance in life or does it keep you, keep you hold, holding your back? You know, May this year I was competing to get a, a spot for the national, Swedish national team in ultra running. Okay. And we were running loops around a big lake. And when I said, I'm done, I had a very close friend to me, he's called Marcus. He was there at the, exa- at the exactly same footstep when I said, I'm done. And we talked about it and he said, you know, Max, when I, when I did find balance in my life, everything became so much better. And I'm not very good at finding the balance for myself because my balance is always up or down. I have, I have a problem with the middle section of life like just being because i'm i'm very present at the moment like you know i'm now it's only you and me here talking yeah but let's let's say i'm out running it's 50 50 either i can be you know just dreaming about the adventures and thinking about i have to do this run because i have to prepare myself for this and that or i'm just nothing i don't feel anything so the balance for me is really hard Good question, but then I have to ask you, what is balance? A few years ago, if you asked me what balance is, I would say that everything is in place, everything is in order. Uh, like you have your bank account in place, you have everything like bills are paid, roof over your head, etc. Food on the table. Now I would rather say that you you can keep your calm, even though there's not money on the account, and even though the car breaks down on the highway you keep the stress levels very low. Even in those situations, you can keep your calmness, that switch, on. That is finding balance, I think. 
to find yourself in very stressful environments but still being calm. That's being in balance. So balance, I don't, I don't think balance exists really. Good set. Yeah. Very good set. Thank you. Very so good. I want to get back to you then yeah, instead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> why is it that you started with like the whole fundraising or building a school in Tanzania? Or so what got you into that? Ever since I was a kid, I've always seen the people, what do you call this in, in English? Like the... Quotation marks? Yeah, quotation mark. The weak people, like the weaker people. I've always seen the weaker people. Like I always wanted to go to Africa and work in a school, like okay. as a teacher. I always wanted to give back to the world. When I started doing these runs, I was like, okay, I can, I can do something that I love, but I can also give back. I don't have to make money out of what I'm doing, but I can make other people get the money that I'm making while doing this. Because I have the sponsors putting in money to this charity. Okay, I'm, I'm not sure I'm avoiding the question. No, no, I think, no. I think it's, a, it's a hard question because it's my, I just think it's my, in my nature okay. to give back and... Was that something that you had from your family as a kid that you're helping people yeah. who are less yeah. and doesn't have it that good and you have it? Yeah, I think I, I have seen my, my grandparents, my father, my mother. I think I've seen everybody in my family helping people that doesn't have it as good as I do. Yeah. And I think that stuck with me, but in a very big way, like. So did, did it come with you? So, so it was already there with you when you started with the ultra running yeah. thing? Yeah, okay. absolutely. It was just a good question. I'm not sure about the answer because it's so natural for me to give back or like collect money to charity. Because why should I do a run for a month across Sweden? without doing it for charity. Like, should I just do it for the fun of it? Absolutely, but I can do both. And I feel no pressure whatsoever to the charity organization. And I think people that are following my adventures, they see that. They see that I don't feel the pressure that it needs to come in this much money because I'm doing it just that people can understand that, you know, I can help you and you can help me. It's so easy. Obviously, Doing these charity runs, it's a good way of, uh, excuse the expression, but killing two birds with one rock. Because the more attention you get from doing these charity runs, the better deals you can make with sponsors or brands or collaborations. Because th this episode has obviously evolved to not only ultra running, but it has also evolved into doing charity work, which I think is amazing. Because uh, I've always felt like, okay, I have two kids. Uh, in the beginning when I had kids I thought of, okay, cool things that I want to show off to my kids is uh, working with music, working with TV. But over the years I realized that's things that doesn't really matter in the long run. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> but like charity things is something that really matters. And when we were on the way into town to do this podcast I told my kids about we're gonna meet this weird guy who ran up Kebnikaise in, in slippers and they were like, he, he seems like a really crazy guy. I told him, yeah, sort of, but he did it for a good reason. And after a long quietness in the car, they said, he seems like a good man. Thank you, thank you. As we're recording this, you are about to do a big run together with a Swedish media profile. And could you tell us a small bit about that? Yeah. And uh, and then we're gonna go into like, okay, I wanna, I wanna raise money for fun. Yeah. How do I do it? Okay, let's do that. So next Sunday, I'm gonna run across an island in Sweden called Erland. 
Which, uh, That's literally translated into island, island. Yeah, island, island. Yeah, actually. Island country. Island country. <laughs> yeah. And with a with a girl, a very close friend to, to a very close friend friend to mine. Yeah. That's called Clara Henry. Yeah. She's kind of big deal in Sweden. Uh, Who also did Kevin Kaiser in the middle of the winter. Yes. Which was totally crazy, yeah. but that's a different story. So when I link up with crazy people, good things happen. Yeah. That's like, that's it. Good things happen. And we're doing it for a charity called Sverige for UNHCR. Yeah. So it's a, a Swedish organization that collects money for refugees. And yeah. especially now with all the refugees from Ukraine. Yes. So a lot of money, our money is going there. And the charity found already started a week ago, and it's going really, really good so far. And it's still eight more days until we do the big run. So that's really, really fun. And it's 160 kilometers, and that's a hundred miles. And a hundred miles is the dream limit for an ultra runner because it's a long way to run. And Clara has never done 100 miles. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's wow. her first 100 mile run. So that's going to be a lot of fun, and it's you know we are training really hard for it and. We have a lot of ideas that we are making and the logistic is really, you know, working out. So, yeah, looking good. Okay, so how, so how to start uh, the charity? So, basically, for me, everything is pretty easy. You just reach out to a company that you like. So, start with the smaller ones. So, basically, when you get in contact with them, they're going to help you with, like, a, a link to a... Like a swish, we have in Sweden, we have a swish. You yeah, can like swish. Venmo in, in the US. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you, you tell them that you need help with that. Because I'm not a technical guy. Okay. I don't know how computer works. I'm really bad at computers. You know, stuff like that. But I tell them, like, I can help you collect money. But I need your help setting up a fund. Okay. And I've always been curious as well. When you are doing these things, you are... Are you running a certain distance depending on how much money you're raising or why, why not simply raise the money? Or is it like, what I'm trying to get to is that can people push you to run longer distance if they put in more money? Or what, what's the catch here? There is no catch. Okay. When you say it like this, I have a story. So last year in December, I was running from Stockholm to North Shopping yep. for the Swedish music music yeah. so like the music help, and it's like the biggest deal, the biggest week in Sweden for me per year, because it's a week of they playing music and they're collecting money to different charities around the world, and so I did eight thousand eight hundred dollars or euros or whatever you say yeah. in twenty four hours. Okay. So that's a lot of money, but I've been doing like seven thousand seven hundred euros in a month, so it all depends. But it was 184 kilometers to North Shopping for me to run in the middle of the winter. It was so fucking cold. Excuse me for swearing, but it was so fucking cold. And I was wearing shorts all the time. Why? I don't know. Like, people ask me, why did you climb Kebnik Ice in, in flip-flops? I don't know. A fun thing to do. And I told in this live feed on the internet and the TV and television everything, I said, if somebody's putting up with 100,000 Swedish crowns at $10,000, I will run back to Stockholm. Oh, really? Yeah, 100%. And that's, that's where the money have something to say about it. But that's where the external pressure comes in as yeah, well. exactly. But then I knew, I didn't, I didn't tell anybody in how long. 
you know, there's always, how do you say, people. Uh, yeah, like, you, you could always, like, you could uh, dictate the rules here could, for this absolutely. game. Absolutely. Yeah. Because if I say, okay, I've been running from Stockholm to North Shopping in 24 hours, and it was 184 kilometers, and we collected this and this much money, if somebody's putting out with $10,000 more, I'm going to run back to Stockholm. And that's adult. I'm not saying anything else behind that. And if somebody was to put 100,000, okay, I can do it in three days back. Because I didn't say 24 hours. I didn't say nothing. And that's, that's the, I think that's one of the funniest part <laughs> of doing what I'm doing, because I can dictate the rules by myself. If I'm not clear about in how much time or how much effort, then I can do it in my way. And that's usually how I do it, my way or the highway. Cliche enough, but true. Do you ha already from the beginning have an expectation of how much money you're going to raise? Yeah, absolutely. Do you, how do you cope with the moment that if, knock on wood, this should not happen, you don't raise that amount of money? How do you go about with that? For me, that's easy, actually. Okay, we set, a, we set a, our goal next Sunday when we're going to run for 24 hours or more. Yeah. We, had a, we have a goal of $10,000. Let's say we're just gonna raise $7,000. Okay, the fund is still open. Let's do another big run. Are those funds open for a limited amount of time? Like your and Clara's fund? Yeah. Is that open for a limited amount of time? Or is it like closed and then you start a new one? No, so the thing is, I think you have you have to think about the deal you have with the charity organization. But if you, let's say we're just going to make $7,000, okay? And the day after we call them and say like, I'm so sorry we couldn't reach $10,000, but hey, give us a week and we don't, we're going to do something new and we're going to collect the money. Because that's also, uh, that's where the ego comes in. <laughs> <laughs> and the ego is good because my ego is going to raise more money. Because then we're just gonna, you know, go out on social media and we're gonna talk about it. Like we didn't reach the goal, mm -hmm. but the goal is still there, and we're just gonna keep on working on it. Because there is no ending to how much money we can get. You know, I think everything depends on how much of a fighter you are. You know, when I reached North Shopping last year, I was all broken. My feet were bleeding. I could barely move. But if somebody was, was they did somebody didn't put in ten thousand dollars. But no. if somebody would, okay, let's pick this shit up and go. So I think it's just a prestige thing with an ego thing. But in the end, it, it all comes out good because you're still gonna reach that goal no matter how long it takes. But how much? Even though a person would put it in $10,000 into you running from Norrköping back to Stockholm instead of taking the train, you still have to invest in your body yeah. to do the, again, no pun intended, yeah. to make it through the long run. Because yeah. you could do that run back to Stockholm, not being able to do any more runs for the next six, seven months. And then it could have been a complete loss instead yeah. of a great investment. Yeah. Now I'm going to use a word that none of us likes. How do you balance that then? Because it's always nice to do a big charity run now that makes a lot of money, but you could always, like, if you hold back a little bit, you might be able to do more charity runs. Is that something that you think about or do you just, like, keep running? I haven't been thinking about it for so many years. Mm -hmm. 
but when I did this uh, when I did this uh, world record run in Mars over north of Spain that was the first time in my life I talked to my big brother Sebastian and uh, I well we took the decision that I had to break it because you know my, my knee was really bad and I still had 400 kilometers left and then you have to ask yourself is it worth trying to break the world record just to, that you can say that you're a to world prove yourself yeah. yeah or are you going to break it there and then and do the rehab that you need to do and then still be able to do the long runs by that time i did the decision like okay i have to break and that was really hard for me because i never broke like i never did the decision or i never take the like i did or never had to make that decision before so that's still something that haunts me a little bit are you going back yeah okay absolutely and you know what next time it, it's gonna be a bigger hype mm -hmm. i'm gonna be much more better like i'm gonna be in much better shape and we're gonna raise double the amount of money okay because everybody loves a good comeback everybody everybody loves a good comeback i mean it seems like you have the jedi mind trick thing going on here on yourself and have been having that for quite some time but something that we always ask uh, as we're coming to the end of the show as that we always ask all of our guests is that even though they're professionals or very enthusiastic amateurs yeah. as we call it today they tend we always tend all of us to run into rookie mistakes later in our life you've been doing the ultra running thing with quotation marks for quite some time now but have you recently run into a rookie mistake that you feel like god damn it i've been doing this for so many years how come i didn't realize this my rookie mistake got to me many years after i started mm -hmm. and the rookie mistake is that you don't listen to your body is that something that you still tend to do that mistake no not after the big crash okay because i think if you learn from your mistakes you will never do the mistake again but you have to really learn from the mistake and my learning is that i'm all the way up high mm -hmm. and then i have to crash really bad after a mistake because that's the way i'm learning to never do it again and in ultra running listening to your body not too much to the mind <laughs> because the mind can trick you but the body can't how does your mind work? Oh, I would love not being honest here. Like, I would love to say, I always listen to my body and, you know, I do this and this and this before the mm -hmm. run, but I, I, let's say it's 50-50. Okay. Sometimes I prepare myself a little bit better and sometimes I don't. But I think in the long run, you should always listen to your body. Like, do you feel that your feet are very sore today? Okay, try to... Do something that is good for your feet before your big run. Um, but do I do it all the time? No. But I, I believe strongly in that, in the quote, you're always better teacher than your student. Mm -hmm. So it's easy for me to tell you and all the listeners. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's you know you know it by yourself. Like it's always oh, easy to tell people what to do. But when you, because <sighs> that's a part of being um athlete as well listening to your body yeah, exactly but a good answer to this is you have to have a strong support team 
Mm-hmm. I have the absolutely best tissue practor that, that you can have. Like, it's my big brother Sebastian. He mm-hmm. knows me more than I know myself. You know, yeah. he, he knows when I just walk into the door, he knows, okay, we have to fix this today or we have to do this and this and this. So I'm very lucky in that way. Uh, and I, I don't believe that all the people are very lucky in that way, but you have to have find, you have to find somebody that you trust with your body. Because you can't do everything yourself. You have to have help. And don't be afraid of taking that help. And that's a, a sort of a good segue into the end of this show. Like asking for help, listening to your body. Obviously, you who are listening now and really want to go into running and a healthier lifestyle or whatever it might be are not going to go into ultra running this afternoon but if if you should give an advice on how to get started with ultra running we 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 have learned a whole lot about charity work today but if you should give me like the elevator pitch in how to get into running what should i do should find the pace that you're comfortable in. Don't push it. Don't, don't push your pace, your actual running pace. Don't try to run a kilometer in four minutes. And don't be upset when there's a setback, because there's, there's going to be a setback. But you just have to fig, kind of figure out why is there a setback. When you've been doing something for a very long time, it's very easy to see the mistake or the set, why is this setback, like where's the mistake coming from. But if you're new into this that we are talking about, then you definitely have to learn from your mistakes. You have to learn, you have to see that you have to see where something went wrong. So without being cheesy ending the show, you're just gonna keep on running. Yeah, never gonna stop. Okay. Thank you, Max, for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was amazing. Nice to have you here. Thank you, man. And guys, thank you for listening. If this was your first episode, don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, rate it, wherever you listen. All those things. You've heard them before. There are more episodes about free skiing, climbing, adventuring, even about stand-up. Max mentioned earlier that people got more interested about Kebnekaise than the actual run throughout Sweden. I do understand them, and I do understand him, but I had to ask, and I forgot to do that during the interview, and go into more detail about the actual climb in flip-flops. So let's hear him out. Could you please describe? Okay, let's, let's just start off a little bit earlier, because there is okay. like a line of why. So when I got to this, you know, from the road where you're walking to the, to the foot of the mountain, I had been running 1,600 kilometers. But in running shoes. But in running shoes, yes, yes. But in running shoes. When you have been doing a run like that, you feel untouchable. You feel invincible. You feel like a superhuman. And I said before, like, yeah, I'm going to run to Kebnekaise, and then I'm going to climb it in flip-flops. Why in God's name would you want to climb it in flip-flops? I think I just wanted to end with a bang. Okay. And have, had you done any form of research in what it would mean to climb Kebnekaise? Because you did the western route, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. We did the western route with the Coffee Valley. Yeah. So the thing was, we did it the 9th of June. That's like the week between the extreme skiers 
and the week before they open even the the station you yeah. know, where everybody lives and where there's restaurant and the cabin what do you call it the yeah there's and cabins and like the, the station where they're like uh, rescue people yeah. are staying it and wasn't even things. open by then okay you know, we were just we were camping it was just a fun idea i had and i didn't think about it so much until the very same day because i did i didn't feel the cold of the mountain like the snow until i had the flip-flops on but then it was already on. So that was the first step, you know, the first step is the hardest. And I was actually thinking like, maybe I'm gonna lose a toe because it was so cold. I didn't feel my toes. It took maybe 15, 20 minutes, then I didn't feel my toes. And I knew that, you know, we, I was walking with a lot of people and not everybody had been on a mountain before. So I knew it was gonna take a lot of time because we wanna reach the, you know, the mountain top together. It actually took like 10 hours. Yeah. And I had flip-flops and snow up to my my waist sometimes in flip-flops. You know, I lost my flip-flops in the snows so many times that I had to dive in with my hand to get it out. And I, I, I even had, you know, tape around my foot so it didn't have to fall off, but it fell okay. off all the time. Fell like I was falling in the snow all the time. And, but by that time I didn't feel my feet, so I didn't, you know. But your mental stage doing this summiting in yeah. flip-flops, yeah. how did you go along with that? Because there is, okay, there's a very simple answer to this. And that's my simple answer in everything I'm doing in life. There is always an ending. Yeah. There's always an ending to everything that you're doing. Nothing is going to keep on going for life. Mm -hmm. I knew that it was only... A certain amount of a time. A certain amount of time. And then I can live the rest of my life saying, that, yeah, I climbed Kevin Kaiser in flip-flops. So I knew that I just have to give up, you know, my time for almost a half a day climbing this mountain in flip-flops. But what does this time mean for the rest of my life? Nothing. Nothing, because it was only 10 hours of my life. And 10 hours isn't a lot. No. That's like a good run for me in a good day. Yeah. And I'm not gonna remember that run, but I'm definitely gonna remember climbing Kebnekaise in flip-flops. And I know that a lot of people think it's stupid and they have been questioning me about that. Because a lot of people that I meet, they don't want to talk about the long run from Stockholm to Kemnekaise that was 1,600 kilometers. They just want to talk about, in total time, 15 hours of climbing Kemnekaise, you know, six hours the day before and then 10 hours or whatever, nine or something. But I think it was around 15 hours in total with the flip-flops. That's the part they want to talk about. That's the part where they find interesting. And for me, it's the opposite way. Because running to Kebnekaise... That was the big effort. Yeah, because that was 28 days. Yeah. 28 days is a long time. That's a full month for February. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a long time. I don't think that nobody thinks that 10 hours is a long time when you compare it to life. And I, you know, to kind of keep it on a lower balance or maybe a little bit funny, if I was been, you know, losing a toe, then it w I would just have a cool adventure name. That would gonna be like Nine Toe Man. <laughs> you know, that would be the that would be the answer. What, uh, you know, I did. I don't want to lose a toe. You know, my no. my mom is gonna listen to this. Of course, mom, I don't want to lose a toe. No. But if that was always, you know, that's gonna be a good story. Why and not? I'm, I, I'm not. I, I don't think that's gonna be the last mountain I'm gonna climb in flip flops. All right. No. 
Well, it, it, I'll keep a pair of spare boots yeah. in, in my bag if I, I need to. I did have boots with me in, in the, the bag. Yeah. Because as soon as I reached the top, yeah. the first thing I did after hugging my friends, yeah. I put up my, my, I have like, you know, real boots for climbing. Yeah. So I, that was the first thing I did after because I, I was so cold and I didn't feel anything. But I will, at the same time, I have never been happier in my life. So it was a mixed, mixed feelings.